2: But it led to the situation where you have people pouring with sweat and and visibly ill, pretending to be absolutely fine. If you had the slightest fever or headache or cough, you just pretend you didn't.
1: This is A Bit of a Stretch, the podcast. I'm Chris Atkins, and I'm a filmmaker who was jailed for tax fraud in 2016. I got sentenced to five years, served two and a half and I've written a book about my time in Wandsworth Prison, also called A Bit of a Stretch. In jail, I met loads of fascinating characters, and since I got out, I've recorded over 20 conversations with ex-prisoners. Their stories are heartbreaking, uplifting, funny, shocking, and often downright weird. The names have been changed, but their voices are real they'll take us headfirst into the worst prison crisis in history and reveal a broken system that is failing victims and the wider public. Each episode is based around a different theme. This episode is all about prisons in the pandemic. In late March 2020, the whole nation shut down and all prisons went into total lockdown. I was in touch with several inmates still serving their sentences, And they allowed me to record their calls to expose the terrible conditions inside.
2: I was certainly glued to the TV every night, just thinking it's getting worse and worse, you know, and thinking, what the fuck's going to happen here?
1: This is Lance. You might remember him from my book. He's back inside on another sentence for fraud.
2: And then kind of watching all the sort of staff and governors reacting after the event and trying to formulate a plan. Was the prison preparing? No, not at all. Suddenly went from everything, like people having visits, people in the gym, to the next day, complete lockdown. whole prison service is in command mode.
3: What um, does that
2: mean? It basically means it's being organised from the top. So um, the Ministry of Justice is telling all prisons what can and can't happen. So when visits were suspended, that was the situation for all prisons.
3: What was the impact um, was on
2: the ground when, when they counted the visits? I would visits booked for, for like the day after the ban and it was just quite shocking.
1: Like most other British public institutions, prisons were completely unprepared for the pandemic. The news showed riots erupting in Italian jails and the authorities were determined to prevent the same thing happening here. So all prisoners were immediately confined to their cells.
4: One minute we was doing our usual education or going to work And then, the very next day, we became locked up for 23 and a half hours a day.
1: This is Roland. You've met him in previous episodes. And he was in Wandsworth when the lockdown struck.
4: I've done the last few months like that.
3: Half an hour out.
4: To start with, it was a lot worse. It started off as 20 minutes. So you've got 10 minutes to go out and have a shower and then you've got 10 minutes to use the kiosk to do any of your, like, canteen orders and yeah, yeah. Like that. And then it was literally bang back up. For us, they decided to give us the 20-minute shower time at 8 o'clock in the morning, and that went on for three weeks. So once you've been out for your 20 minutes, so by 20 past 8, you're then banged up for the rest of the day until the next
3: day. So it doesn't that even break up the day in the middle or anything like that? No. How did people react to that? I mean, did people accept it because they can see what was in the news?
5: Like yeah, that.
3: there was um, the
2: initial acceptance. And initially, oh my God, this is actually quite not exciting, but there was a bit of sort of camaraderie and, you know, like we're all in this together and there was some sort of supporting the staff.
3: What was the atmosphere like? What was the
4: yeah. mood? There was a lot of noise for the clap for carers that became a big thing. Everybody was banging the doors and shouting and hooting and goodness knows what.
3: So they were quite supportive of that?
4: Yeah, they were. It was quite funny to see that.
2: They were expecting it maybe it was going to last a few days and then go back to normal. Initially, the the lockdown was supposed to be reviewed in in two or three weeks, wasn't it? So everyone was thinking, Mm. right, okay, give it a fortnight and we'll be back at it. But Um, but since it was imposed, I, I, I haven't been off this wing now for months. So how many
3: people, did lots of people have it? How many people had it?
5: There's a lot of people that have got it there now. So I'm glad that I've got it out.
1: This is Jimmy. He was an HMP Risley during the pandemic and he finally got out last week.
3: But, but how long were you being banged up for?
5: 23 hours. What um, was
1: that
3: like
5: for you? Um, it made me jail go quicker, to be honest. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know, it just does, like I don't know. So in the first lockdown happened in March, well everyone was going on like it's dead serious out there. But in there like we wasn't being told to social distance and things like that. You know, they've let all the full landing, you know, at one time. Yeah, obviously know, in the queue for the server. What makes them stand two metres apart or nothing like that.
1: While the rest of the country imposed strict rules on social distancing, prisons mostly ignored these restrictions. Inmates were still unlocked to get their food on the wing serveries, where they all stood cheek by jowl as before.
4: Um, Social distancing didn't really exist in Wandsworth whatsoever, to be perfectly honest. You can probably understand this. Do you know when you come into H-Wing and you go
3: downstairs to get your food? Down the Wands, yeah.
1: So the Wands refers to the basement level of a prison wing. It's usually the calmest landing, and it's also where everyone queues up to get their food.
3: Was everyone keeping two metres apart? or? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: no. They literally just stuck coloured tape on the floor, measured it out two metres. However, the silliness in that was that, do you know when you go down the stairwell? Yeah. Of course you're going past other people. Well, yeah, you're all
3: rammed in that tiny space, aren't you? Yeah, so that continued as normal. And was there any social distancing in the showers?
4: No, not at all.
3: When I was there, it was just six shower heads and everyone just rammed into a little...
4: Yeah, that's exactly the same. It hasn't changed in any way.
3: And uh, were people coming down with symptoms?
4: Yes. We believe, we can't confirm that, obviously, because we've not been tested, but at least half of the wing got infected because we all lost our sense of taste and smell we had that really early on we are sitting eating the food and couldn't taste anything yeah to be fair was quite a bonus
3: I was going to (laughs) say sorry (laughs) I I wish I'd had
4: that for my nine months
3: there
4: I knew in Wandsworth from what the governor said they tested 30 people
3: 30? out of a prison of what 1600 yeah
1: the government has claimed that the prison lockdown measures drastically reduced the spread of the virus, and that there were only 540 confirmed cases in the entire state up to August 2020. But this figure is highly misleading, as hardly any inmates were actually being tested.
2: But the fact that it's come in very early on in the pandemic, it must have spread like absolute wildfire. I mean, there's no way it wouldn't. Yeah. Um, being in such close proximity to everyone else, we are spreading around before the lockdown was put into place. So, unquestionably, we've, we've all had it.
3: So, from your estimation, what proportion of people have had it? Oh, yeah. so at least 60 70% have had it. 60 70% of the prison?
1: Oh, yeah. This means that more people caught COVID in Lance's prison than the government were admitting for the entire estate. The official figures came under attack in April 2020 when Public Health England reported that the number of prison Covid cases was six times higher than the government was claiming. At the start of the pandemic, the Justice Secretary, Robert Buckland, announced a compassionate early release scheme. He promised that around 4,000 prisoners near the end of their sentences would be allowed out a few months early to ease overcrowding and allow more space for quarantining
3: there was all this stuff in the news and there was the justice secretary saying we're going to let all these prisoners go early yeah and were yes. people all packing their bags and thinking oh, i think people not- really really bullish i asked the governor
2: last week how many people from here have been released um, and he said one, <laughs> <laughs> one person's been released i was expecting it to be like 80 90 because you saw these figures of four yeah. thousand in the initial trial actually.
1: like a lot of official prison policies The early release scheme didn't go according to plan. Instead of releasing 4,000 inmates only 275 people went home a little bit earlier. This meant that the system didn't have enough slack to provide effective quarantining.
4: Wandsworth had hit its maximum and they were still accepting people from court. It became a massive headache. Even the governor said, "I cannot refuse people coming in." What they were asking is, "Did you see a lot of cells where they were singles, especially in H wing?"
3: Yeah, down on the ones they were
4: mostly singles. Yeah. So what they did was they said, "You've got to find another cellmate, otherwise we're bringing you one." Oh, okay. So all of the singles become doubles on the ones. Where do they sleep? Because they only have one bed. There was a bit of a rush round of trying to find some bed, beds and mattresses for oh, people. Even those one bed <laughs> cells downstairs, are tiny. Yeah, that's right. Felt sorry for one guy. There's a, a man that's been here almost a year and a half, and he had a heart condition, so he had to go into hospital. And he was fine. He came out of hospital. They tested him for coronavirus, and he tested negative, but they put him in the quarantine
3: because he'd been out of the prison. <laughs> He has serious underlying health conditions, and they put him with a bunch of suspected COVID.
4: Yeah, and he said, the officers that went with me to the hospital are back on their day job, walking around the prison. He said, why are they not quarantined? Why are they not off work?
0: You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
5: They had a big outbreak at Wymart, so Risley was accepting loads of people from there, so they turned the full of E Wing into like a sex offenders wing.
1: HMP Wymart is a sex offenders prison, so when they had an outbreak, they shipped dozens of inmates to Risley, where Jimmy was staying, where the prison struggled to cope.
5: So, moved 200 prisoners off E you know, all around the jail, and accepted like 200 sex offenders. Well, obviously no one wants them
3: there, do they?
5: No. They started doing all the pads and they were painting them all fresh, getting them all brand new cupboards, brand new mattresses, brand new pillows. Whereas when I was moved on there, we just get what we're given. So they had it better, they had a nicer nicer time. Yeah, yeah, they had everything done up, yeah, everything. I had a cellmate I didn't mind him. He never had a canteen or nothing like that, so I was spending forty two quid a week on the both of us. Right. So I said, Look, I don't mind paying for everything. But you know, you just clean the pad. You just make sure the pots are washed and the pad's clean, and, yeah. and I'll I'll pay for everything. And you know, you don't have to worry about going around trying to borrow vapes and things like that, getting yourself in debt. Yeah, um, yeah. So he was all right at first, but he hasn't had a heavy chest and a bit of a bit of things like that. I've not
1: really got body
5: heads, you know what I mean? Okay. So the next thing I'm having to turn to straight the floor because so there's so, half over oh, the floor. Right. <laughs> he started to do me after a bit.
2: there has been some cell sharing. So here there was a wing that um, had quite a bit of cell sharing. So they've emptied out those um, cells and they've erected some, basically, portaloos. They're called bunkabin, B-U-N-K-A-B-I-N, bunkabin. You know, know, like, if you go to Glastonbury, you have to go to the toilet. So people are living in them.
1: With prisoners being moved around and then forced to share cells, unreported cases continue to rise. Inmates thought to be infected were completely isolated and given practically no treatment.
4: A very good friend of mine, him and his cellmate, both caught coronavirus and the shielding for them was ridiculous. They literally locked them in their cell and they was in there for two and a half weeks and didn't come out at all.
3: They didn't get the twenty minutes?
4: No, not at all. Not even apart from everyone else. They didn't get a shower? No, not at all. They literally brought the food to the door and opened the door and pushed it in and told them to go to the back of the cell and then just locked the door back up again. And how did they cope? Oh, they weren't happy at all. They really, really struggled.
3: So they were symptomatic, but were they being given any medical treatments? Um,
4: Healthcare, I think, came once to check their temperature in that time and that was about it. To be fair, healthcare become non-existent during the whole thing. They said it was a priority for the outside, so there was obviously no GP or anything. You couldn't book an appointment.
3: You couldn't see a doctor, you couldn't see a nurse?
4: No, it was literally, if you've got symptoms, make a member of staff aware and they locked you up and they put a sticker on the door to say that, that you're shielding yourself. I'm speechless.
3: I'm, I mean, a sticker.
4: It was literally like someone sticking a biohazard sticker on your door and say, good luck.
1: The collapse of prison healthcare meant that inmates were brutally punished for getting ill. This led to genuinely symptomatic inmates pretending to be in rude health.
2: If you said you had it, the security people would come in their PPE and take you to the quarantine unit under restraint if necessary. And so after you'd seen that happening a couple of times, if you had the slightest fever or headache or cough, you you just pretend you didn't. But it led to the situation where you have people pouring with sweat and and visibly ill, pretending to be absolutely fine at at roll
3: checks, as to keep their space on the unit, pretending you know I'm fine, I'm fine. It's like no, yeah,
4: yeah,
1: just a flesh wound. As in the outside world the pandemic meant that other medical conditions went untreated. Prison healthcare workers mostly down tools, so inmates suffering from non-Covid-related illnesses also had to fend for themselves.
5: I had a major toothache. They wouldn't give me tablets at first. and I was in pain for days before it. Like, I was taking stupid amounts of tablets. My mum was worried, you know, I wasn't thinking that much, but it just wouldn't take the pain away. You are in pain and you weren't getting... No, thing? no, no, I will not get nothing either, no. I rang uh, my mum on the prison phone and I'm saying, listen, you need to ring this jail now. It was like I was going a bit mad at my mum, really, but it was cause I was just because I I'm stressed out. Yeah. And she said, right, just calm down. Don't like going mad. And um, I'll ring them up now. She had this group off Twitter and they was like, oh, we'll, we'll all ring as well. So they was all ringing. So because they, they made such a big thing of it, then they got me in then and they'd done an extraction, you know, on me too. But so uh, you've got it looked at. Yeah, yeah, but it was so hard work. And that was all because of Covid? They just were the healthcare workers coming in? Yeah, 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 because they all didn't know what they were doing.
1: Across the UK, the lockdown led to an increase in depression, anxiety and other mental illnesses. This was mirrored and amplified in the prison system thanks to the terrible conditions and enforced isolation.
2: Slowly you get the mental health element kicking in and there's a lot of people that are absolute at their wits end and, and, and people who had debts that they had to go and chase and this sort of inter-wing dealing that goes on all the time and that had to suddenly come to a stop so people were in a very stressed state in a, in a lot of cases you've got people literally going up and threatening to climb on the roof and threatening to kick the shit out of people on other wings i mean this is a very peaceful wing and that's getting mm. a bit like that but on some of the other wings, which are housing, you know, kids and gangs, it's becoming very, very hot and very tense.
5: Because we're banged up all day, you know, you're smoking more vapes, so people are running out of vapes quicker. So people have run out of vapes like a day and a half before canteen. So then everyone's stressing out on canteen, they just want in the, the canteen. But they're not giving it out till like five at night. Everyone's in the dark because they want the veins. So stress level's going up? Yeah, yeah, you've got suicides gone through the roof. Did that happen at your place? Yeah, about four or five suicides, yeah.
3: Jesus, what, in your jail?
5: Yeah, yeah, to so this day now, from March. Uh, oh, was anything being done? I mean, were the listeners out? No, nah, I've or? never seen no listeners. So on my wings, there was this guy. and he owed 400 quid out for spikes, and he couldn't pay it, he ragged his mum after it, and she couldn't pay it, so like that. So I'm not sure if what he said to her. But I think she's rang the jail because uh, she was worried about him anyway. He must have had the rope tied around his bars. He's got on his belt. Usually they're pretty quick. They're there within like a minute at the most because he was on the ones. But they didn't come for 15 minutes, so he ended up dying. I think they only come because they got a call from a welfare check on him. It's a try for out, really. You know not see what he's been off the wing. And he thought, if he does that and they see it, then they'll
3: take it seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like to see that.
1: The indefinite lockdown has had a catastrophic impact on the mental health of inmates across the UK. There were five prison suicides recorded in just six days in May 2020. Some governors have done their best to alleviate the emotional pain of their residents. The governors are
2: doing certain things to help like giving everyone extra credit, and they've relaxed the parcel situation, so you can have extra, extra things handed in, and they're being a bit more relaxed about what you can and can't have.
3: What about video um,
2: calls? Are you, are you able to video call your family or no? It's, it's here. Apparently, there's like one iPad um, or two iPads, <laughs> but they <laughs> so they're saving they're saving it for like funerals and stuff for people that can't go to funerals. So if there's a funeral, you can dial in on an iPad from jail. Oh my god. Um, yeah. In one of the briefings, we we read someone had a a child born and they were able to see the kid over iPad, so they made an allowance for that. But generally, there's no access to it.
1: The pandemic dealt a hammer blow to a prison system that was already on its knees. Restrictions did slowly start to lift at the end of the summer in 2020, but things have again deteriorated in the second lockdown. Lance remains defiantly upbeat and he's even managed to find some positives in the never-ending gloom.
2: One of the worst things about being in jail is, is missing out. And so throughout this episode, th- there's been none of that feeling of missing parties and uh. birthdays and, and celebrations and things that you miss when you're inside. Talking to people outside during lockdown, and my parents, they were just staying in the house and they weren't going out. Mm. I saw my missus last night saying, like, even if I was out, we'd be far- like, we couldn't go and see our friends, like, we'd, no. we'd just be at home. And if we didn't live together,
3: then we wouldn't be able to see each other. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Because me. actually, I was looking the other way around. I was looking at it going,
1: this is all pretty grim for everyone, but at least I'm not in Wandsworth. Jimmy got out a week ago, at the end of November 2020, and initially struggled with the transition to the outside world.
5: I couldn't sleep in that at first. I think I'd sleep at 10 to 5 in the morning first by oh, It's too silent. The bed is you, I'm used to listening to someone sleeping. So, but, is yeah. it too quiet for you? Yeah, yeah, it's too quiet, yeah. Are
3: you alright now? Is that, has that sorted itself out?
5: Uh, well, to be honest, I've just been smoking more of weed. Right.
3: So, you
5: know. And that helps. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you could say so. <laughs> Better than spice, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Jimmy's story reminded me of how tough I found leaving prison. I suddenly had to get my head around jobs, housing, family and bills. Things I hadn't had to deal with inside. One former inmate told me that the real punishment started the day he was released. But that's all for another time. This podcast series has been about prison and we've almost come to the end of our sentence. Though while I was editing, I kept finding really fascinating stories that just didn't fit into any of the other episodes. So, we're going to do just one more episode, which will be made up of all these random tidbits and loose ends. The prison into which I went, there was exactly one Englishman, and that was me. I've got
4: told by a friend to have a drink so I can get on this alcohol wing.
1: I felt like Hannibal Lecter because there's kids and families on the plane looking at you like what the fuck has he done this has been a bit of a stretch the podcast it was written and produced by me chris atkins it was also produced by victoria hollingsworth the music is by vincent watts the sound mix was by stephen goldsmith since this podcast was recorded some of these contributors have gone back inside some of them several times So I've written another book to find out why so many ex-prisoners re-offend again and again. It follows a colourful cast of criminals who just can't go straight, some of whom you'll recognise from this podcast. The book is called Time After Time, and it's available now.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.